Welcome to Learning English, a daily 30-minute program from the Voice of America. I'm Dan Friedel. And I'm Katie Weaver. This program is aimed at English learners. So we speak slowly and we use words and phrases especially written for people learning English. Coming up on the show, reports from Brian Lynn and Gregory Stockel. Jill Robbins brings us this week's Ask a Teacher. And we close the show with an American story. The Lady in Black by Eleanor H. Porter. But first... A new United Nations report says one-fifth of the world's migrating animals are at risk of disappearing. Animals that migrate move from one area to another at different times of the year. The report, called State of the World's Migratory Species, was released February 12th. It blames population drops on environmental changes linked to human activities. The threats the animals face include habitat loss, illegal hunting and fishing, pollution, and climate change. Many kinds of migratory animals, including songbirds, sea turtles, whales, sharks, and others, move to different environments as the seasons change. The UN report says about 44% of migratory species around the world are decreasing in population. In addition, about one in five of 1,200 species watched by the UN are at risk of becoming extinct or completely disappearing. Kelly Malsh was the lead writer of the report. She told the Associated Press, These are species that move around the globe. They move to feed and breed and also need stopover sites along the way. Malsh said any habitat loss or other threats during their trip can make animal populations fall. Migration is essential for some species. If you cut the migration, you're going to kill the species, said Stuart Pym. He is an ecologist at Duke University in North Carolina who was not part of the study. The researchers examined existing data including information from the International Union for Conservation of Nature's Red List. The list identifies wildlife across the world currently facing threats. The report was presented at a meeting of the UN's Convention on the Conservation of Migratory Species of Wild Animals in Samarkand, Uzbekistan. 
Attendees of the gathering are examining proposals for conservation measures. They are also working to identify new species of concern. Susan Lieberman is vice president for international policy at the nonprofit Wildlife Conservation Society. She told the AP, "One country alone cannot save any of these species." Lieberman noted that eight South American governments at the meeting are expected to propose the addition. Of two threatened catfish to the UN's list of species of concern, the catfish live in the Amazon River basin, the world's largest freshwater system. If the habitat there can be saved, the catfish will do well, Lieberman said. It's about protecting the habitat, she added. The report found habitat loss affected up to 75 percent of the species studied. The report said this shows a big need for more connectivity between separated ecosystems. It urges governments to take steps to avoid harming habitats and migration paths when building dams. Pipelines or wind power equipment. We need to look at the top levels of government decision making," said Amy Frankel. She is executive secretary of the UN Convention on the Conservation of Migratory Species. Frankel told Reuters news agency. The goal is to consider the best ways animals and humans can have their needs met. We all need to survive," Frankel added. She noted the problems migratory animals face are also linked to temperature changes across the planet. These changes, Frankel added, hurt the timing of migrations, cause heat stress. And drive increasingly destructive weather-related events, she said. The changes that had been already predicted some years ago are now happening. I'm Brian Lynn. A group of South Korean rappers in their 80s has become popular in their hometown and beyond. The group raps about farm life and bringing energy to a quiet rural area threatened by shrinking population. The group is called Suni and the Seven Princesses. They have become famous in their local area since starting out at a community center last August in Chilgo County. The area is southeast of the capital, Seoul. It feels like I'm getting younger, even if I'm old. I'm excited.
said 81-year-old Park Jong-sun of a recent performance at a school. She is the leader of the group and known as Suni. At first, they had a small fan group of 150 people. But the group's popularity spread. They have been asked to perform in nearby towns and to appear on TV shows. Their videos have gained more than 77,000 views on YouTube. Their success comes as South Korea is about to become a super-aging country as early as next year. One-fifth of the country's population is over the age of 65. Rural areas like Chilgo are shrinking as young people move away to the cities and fewer of them have children. Park said, In the past, it felt like I'm living in a really busy town, but now it's not good. There are no people here anymore. Park said she and the group feel like they are reliving their youth when they perform in clothes like funny hats and baggy pants and wear metal jewelry. Their songs tell about rural life with lines like Picking chili from a chili farm Picking watermelon from a watermelon farm So happy to be back home. Watermelon and chili are popular crops in the area. The group members have known each other since they were young. They could not receive an education during the years after the Korean War. In 2016, they all took an adult education class to learn how to read and write the Korean alphabet, Hangul. Last year, Park came across a rap performance on the internet, and the group decided to learn rap from their Hangul teacher. They wanted to form a senior group, rapping about rural life. Their first performance came at a school play at the community center where they met for their Hangul classes. Inspired by the success of Suni and the Seven Princesses, four other rap groups of older South Koreans have appeared in Chilgo. Some formed with the idea of keeping their minds strong and not feel alone. Park's proud 27-year-old granddaughter, Kong Hai-yoon, believes her grandmother is the most famous person of Chilgo. She said, I thought only celebrities became popular on social media, but my grandmother is there now. I'm Gregory Stockel. Welcome to Ask a Teacher. This week we answer a question that relates not just to language, but also 
politeness, and foreign policy. It comes from Hai in Vietnam. He writes, I would highly appreciate it if you could let me know the meaning of this phrase, it sure as heck ain't good. Hi, Vietnam. Dear Hai, thank you for writing to us and providing a link to the place where you read the sentence. The quote that you asked about is from a January 31st press conference at the White House. The press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, invited spokesman John Kirby to answer questions from reporters. One reporter said the European Union had recently offered to give Ukraine only half of what it had been promised. The reporter asked, How bad is all this for the Ukrainian forces? And do you see an impact on the battlefield already? Kirby gave this answer. It sure as heck ain't good and this is why we need the supplemental funding. There are three things an English learner needs to know to understand Kirby's answer. The first one has to do with the language that Kirby used. Heck is in the class of words called euphemisms. They are words or expressions people use instead of saying something that might be offensive or could sound uneducated. Heck is a euphemism for the word hell. Kirby, like most government officials, is trying to use more formal language, but he also wants to bring attention to the serious nature of the problem. So he uses heck instead of hell, a word that is much stronger. Hell, in many religions, is a very unpleasant place where bad people go. The second thing learners need to know is the short form ain't. The contraction ain't is usually a short form of am not, but it can also mean is not or are not, as well as have not or has not. In our example, Kirby could have said, it is not good. Like most informal contractions, we must tell you it is best to avoid ain't in all writing for school or work and in speech. For more information, See our everyday grammar on this subject, this ain't it, and other short forms. Kirby said, it sure as heck ain't good, and this is why we need the supplemental funding. The United States Congress must approve all spending by the U.S. government. A supplemental funding request can be made to ask Congress to approve additional spending that has not been provided for in earlier spending legislation. I hope this helps you understand Kirby's comments, hi. What question do you have about American English? Send us an email at learningenglish at voanews.com. And that's Ask a Teacher. I'm Jill Robbins. And now, an American story. Faith Lapidus reads The Lady in Black by Eleanor H. Porter. The house was very still 
In the little room over the porch, the lady in black sat alone. Near her, a child's white dress lay across a chair. On the floor at her feet lay a tiny pair of shoes. A doll hung over a chair, and a toy soldier occupied the little stand by the bed. And everywhere was silence. The strange silence that comes only to a room where the clock has stopped ticking. The clock stood on the shelf near the end of the bed. The lady in black looked at it. She remembered the wave of anger that had come over her when she had reached out her hand and silenced the clock that night three months before. It had been silent ever since. And it should remain silent, too. Of what possible use were the hours it would tick away now? As if anything mattered, with little Kathleen lying out there white and still under the black earth. Mother! The lady in black moved restlessly and looked toward the closed door. Behind it, she knew. Was a little boy with wide blue eyes who wanted her, but she wished he would not call her by that name. It only reminded her of those other little lips, silent now. Mother, the voice was more demanding. The lady in black did not answer. He might go away, she thought, if she did not answer. There was a short silence, and then the door opened slowly. Peek! It was a cry of joyful discovery, but it was followed almost immediately by silence. The unsmiling woman did not invite him to come near. The boy was unsteady at his first step. He paused, then spoke carefully. I. Here, it was maybe the worst thing he could have said. To the lady in black, it was a yet more painful reminder of that other one, who was not there. She gave a sharp cry and covered her face with her hands. Bobby, Bobby! She cried out in a release of unreasoning sadness. Go away! Go away! I want to be alone, alone. All the brightness fled from the boy's face. His eyes showed a feeling of deep hurt. He waited, but she did not move. Then, with a half-quieted cry, he left the room. Long minutes afterward, the lady in black raised her head and saw him through the window. He was in the yard with his father, playing under the apple tree. Playing. The lady in black looked at them with serious eyes, and her mouth hardened at the corners. Bobby had someone to play with him, someone to love him and care for him. While out there on the hillside, Kathleen was alone, all alone. 
With a little cry, the lady in black sprang to her feet and hurried into her own room. Her hands shook as she pinned on her hat and covered herself with her black veil. But her step was firm as she walked downstairs and out through the hall. The man under the apple tree rose hurriedly and came forward. Helen, dearest, not again today, he begged. Darling, it can't do any good. But she's alone, all alone. You don't seem to think. No one thinks. No one knows how I feel. You don't understand. If you did, you'd come with me. You wouldn't ask me to stay here, choked the woman. I have been with you, dear, said the man gently. I've been with you today and every day, almost since since she left us. But it can't do any good, this continuous mourning over her grave. It only makes more sadness for you, for me, and for Bobby. Bobby is here, you know, dear. No, no, don't say it, cried the woman wildly. You don't understand. You don't understand. And she turned and hurried away, followed by the worried eyes of the man and the sad eyes of the boy. It was not a long walk to the burial place. The lady in black knew the way, yet she stumbled and reached out blindly. She fell before a little stone marked Kathleen. Near her, a gray-haired woman, with her hands full of pink and white roses, watched her sympathetically. The gray-haired woman paused and opened her lips as if she would speak. Then she turned slowly and began to arrange her flowers on a grave nearby. The lady in black raised her head. For a time she watched in silence. Then she threw back her veil and spoke. "'You care, too,' she said softly. "'You understand.' I've seen you here before, I'm sure. And w- was yours a little girl? The gray-haired woman shook her head. No, dearie, it's a little boy. Or he was a little boy forty years ago. Forty years? So long. How could you have lived forty years without him? Again the little woman shook her head. One has to... "'Sometimes, dearie, but this little boy wasn't mine. "'But you care, you understand. "'I've seen you here so often before. "'Yes, you see, there's no one else to care. "'But there was once, and I'm caring now for her sake. "'For her? His mother. "'Oh!' It was a tender little cry, full of quick sympathy. The eyes of the lady in black were on the stone marked Kathleen. 
It ain't as if I didn't know how she'd feel, said the gray-haired woman. You see, I was nurse to the boy when it happened, and for years afterward I worked in the family, so I know. I saw the whole thing from the beginning, from the very day when the little boy here met with the accident. Accident? It was a cry of concern and sympathy from Kathleen's mother. Yes, it was a runaway, and he didn't live two days. I know, I know, choked the lady in black. Yet she was not thinking of the boy and the runaway horse accident. Things stopped then for my mistress, and that was the beginning of the end. She had a husband and a daughter, but they didn't seem to be important, not either of them. Nothing seemed important except this little grave out here. She came and spent hours over it, bringing flowers and talking to it. The lady in black raised her head suddenly and quickly looked into the woman's face. The woman went on speaking. The house got sadder and sadder. She didn't seem to mind. She seemed to want it so. She shut out the sunshine and put away many of the pictures. She sat only in the boy's room, and there everything was just as it was when he left it. She wouldn't let a thing be touched. I wondered afterward that she didn't see where it was all leading to, but she didn't. Leading to? The voice shook. Yeah, I wondered she didn't see she was losing em, that husband and daughter, but she didn't see it. The lady in black sat very still. Even the birds seemed to have stopped their singing. Then the gray-haired woman spoke. So, you see, that's why I come and put flowers here. It's for her. There's no one else now to care, she sighed, rising to her feet. But you haven't told yet what happened, said the lady in black softly. Oh, I don't know myself, really. I know the man went away. He got something to do traveling, so he wasn't home much. When he did come, he looked sick and bad. He come less and less, and, and he died. But that was after she died. He's buried over there beside her and the boy. The girl, well, nobody knows where the girl is. Girls like flowers and sunshine and laughter and, and young people, you know. And she didn't get any of them at home. So she went where she did get them, I suppose. There, and if I haven't gone and tired you all out with my talking, said the little gray-haired woman regretfully. No, no, I was glad to hear it, said the lady in black, rising unsteadily to her feet. Her face had grown white, and her eyes showed a sudden fear. But I must go now. Thank you. And she turned and hurried away. The house was very still when the lady in black reached home. 
She shivered at its silence. She hurried up the stairs, almost with guilt. In her own room, she pulled at the dark veil that covered her face. She was crying now, a choking little cry with broken words running through it. She was still crying as she removed her black dress. Long minutes later, the lady, in black no longer, moved slowly down the stairway. Her eyes showed traces of tears, but her lips were bravely curved in a smile. She wore a white dress and a single white rose in her hair. Behind her, in the little room over the porch, a tiny clock ticked loudly on its shelf near the end of the bed. There came a sound of running feet in the hall below. Then, Mother! It's Mother! Come back! shouted a happy voice. And with a little sobbing cry, Bobby's mother opened her arms to her son. And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. I'm Katie Weaver. And I'm Dan Friedel. Thanks for listening. Please join us again tomorrow for another Learning English podcast from The Voice of America. Music